Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Eric Keating, VP of Marketing at AppQs. In this episode, we talked about how AppQs differentiate themselves from the pack operating in such a competitive market, how they use their own service, and why their marketing team owns customer onboarding. We also discussed how big successful companies got away with shitty customer onboarding experiences and why you cannot afford to do it now. We then dove into the importance of continuous onboarding and talked about how AppQs uses a product adoption score to customize their onboarding flow to set up their customers for success. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode. And if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Andrew. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. For the listeners, Eric is the VP of Marketing in AppQs, the product-led growth platform that helps you convert users into raving fans with automated and personalized onboarding, product tours, surveys, and announcements. Prior to AppQs, Eric was a marketing manager in Zoom Information, a digital marketing manager at Compete, and VP of Marketing at Zayas. So my first question for you, Eric, is AppQs is operating in a competitive market. What is your team doing to differentiate yourselves from the pack? Yeah, that's a great question. I, th- I think it is getting, you know, there are more competitors popping up every day. And the reason why is because it's such a big problem. Retention, especially in a in an environment where, where so many products are trying to be more self-service and easy to use. And the, not only is, is the market huge, but it's growing. More and more companies are starting to introduce software or introduce trials and premium experiences, et cetera. And so what, what AppCues says from a marketing perspective, what we've really done over the years and what we continue to heavily invest in is delivering high value, high quality content to the space with really no gates at all. You'll be, it would be pretty hard for you to find a form that we put in front of any of our content uh, pieces. And the reason why that's so important to us is because this is a new space. We've been around for eight years or so, but it's new to a lot of folks. When when people buy app cues, it's it's often the first time they're buying this type of solution. So there's a lot of education needed in the space. People are hungry for best practices and figuring out how to approach this problem in general. And that's where we've invested. That's where we're continuing to invest and it's paying off. Very nice. I'm also interested as well, because before the show started chatting that I'm launching a new startup, I started looking into different solutions now that I want to use for my user onboarding. 
And quite frankly, like looking at the different solutions on the market, I definitely found the onboarding experience at AppQs to be top-notch in terms of the whole experience. Like it really was pretty smooth. It was easy to set up. And I think there was a, a good balance between like guidance and letting me figure things out on my own. And I think that's one thing I'm really interested, specifically like talking to companies where they're eating their own dog food and they're using their own products in specific places. So Maybe you can yeah. talk us through a little bit about this experience and how it's evolved over time. So I think obviously onboarding, critical to general retention. How have you been using your own service? Yeah, interesting thing about AppKeys is that a marketing team owns our onboarding experience. And I have some strong opinions on why, why that's important here. Let's hear them. I actually, uh, about six months ago, I gave this presentation uh, for growth hackers called Product is a New Landing Page. The, essentially, what I was arguing is that people are starting trials of products. They're starting to use products as part of their learning experience, as part of their evaluation. We, to really sum it up, we looked at some data about how people were interacting with our site. And the average person who started a trial had visited, or the average uh, new visitor to our website interacted with one or two pages on our website before they started a trial. So how much education are you really, or how much learning are you really doing if you're looking at one or two pages? No, you're relying on using the product itself to educate you. So that really influenced the way that we thought about our onboarding experience. We realized that while we still want to try to get new users to this aha moment as quickly and as smoothly as possible, we knew that we had continued education to do as part of that experience. And what we'd learned in the past is that it's when our users see the end user experiences, the ones, the experiences that they can deliver to their users, that it really connects the dots for them. So if you started a trial today, your first thing you're going to see is we're going to pop up a few different UI patterns that you can deliver with AppKeys. We're using our own product, right? Yeah. And we're, we approach it in a, in a little bit of a kind of a meta way, which is here's a slide out. Slide outs are great for XYZ. You click here to create your own. And that experience, and, and also, you, like you said, giving people the option to dismiss and explore on their own. Everybody's different, right? We try to accommodate as many different types of prospects as possible. But the end goal of our onboarding experience is to continue that education while we're getting to the new user to the aha moment as quickly as we can. Nice. And yeah, yeah. it's interesting concept. I think that marketing should own the in-app experience. And definitely, like I see where you're going with the like product as the new landing page and where you're educating, it's definitely an interesting concept. And yeah, like you say, considering, especially like when you're dealing with freemium, high volume of leads, typically people aren't paying too much attention. They just want to try things out and see if it fits them and then go from there. Really, the yeah. education needs to, to transcend. I'm interested your take on this though as well, because I think a lot of times like there is this gray area, uh, like who should own this in-app experience. And it often sits between either like marketing and it's typically like customer lifecycle marketing uh, or product or customer success. And then each one makes the case for why it should be them. And on the show, we've discussed this a few times with product and with customer success uh, <laughs> side of things. So I I'm interested to understand your side a little bit deeper, like why do you really believe? So one thing is obviously the education needs to continue, yeah. but why should marketing be doing the education over a team like customer success or product? And Yeah. To start off, I hope this isn't cheating, but I'm not going to suggest a specific team at every company. The reason why it makes sense at AppQs is, and this is the other part of my strong perspective, is that marketing owns pipeline and self-service revenue. And so if we own those goals, think about a traditional marketing funnel where you've got, let's, I hope that you're focused on pipeline and not leads. That's a whole other story, but 
focus on pipeline count and value. If you own those metrics and you are introducing a free trial experience and that free trial experience is part of the funnel, how could you as a marketer be okay with there being a gap in that funnel that's out of your control, right? If you own pipeline, like I said, and you're generating free trial leads, but you have no influence uh, over what happens with those trialers, then it's really hard for you to own those metrics, right? Because there's a big chunk of it that's out of your control. Yep. Um, so for, for AppKeys, because we do own self-service revenue and like I said, sales pipeline, we own that experience. So we are in control of our goals, right? Now, if another team owned self-service revenue, it may be a different story, but at AppKeys, that's, that's the it. driver. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And definitely I can see, especially when it comes to channel retention, this is often the case where teams are like given ownership of the metric, but they have very little control over it. Yeah. And we chatted about this in a previous episode. I've mentioned this a couple of times. I think it was with David from GitLab, where he argued uh, essentially that I, I made the argument that customer success is difficult for them to own the metric when, um, like, essentially they have very little input in towards the product and everything. And that's one of the reasons why they should is because it should be their job to push product, to push marketing, to thing, and like owning the experience as part of that. But I think everyone comes with a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, that's definitely, there's, there are parts of the argument that I definitely agree with, but at the same time, and we can talk more about the role that marketing can play in in retention, et cetera, overall, but think about the skill sets that you expect from a marketing team. You've got, typically you've got people who can design, who can write copy, who, you know, understand what's motivating people to buy, especially in the onboarding process. And so those are even beyond uh, copy and design people who are comfortable sending one-to-many communications, emails, et cetera, right? Those are all things you come to expect from a marketing organization. Whereas even the greatest CS teams, it's not really a a traditional skill uh, of the design is not, you don't usually have a designer on the CS team. So at a minimum, it's a collaboration. For sure. Yeah. And that makes sense as well. I think, obviously, I think the skill sets are evolving within teams and different roles are appearing in different uh, orgs within the company now. But uh, I definitely see your point on that, where it's like marketing is better suited in a way just because they have the skill sets and the resources available to do a more effective job. And I think it goes back a little bit to the experience component, which is something we touched on before the show that would be good to bring up is that how important it is to create an amazing product experience. Yeah, I, I think it's always been important. Although historically, it's been easy. If you think back, anybody who's been in SaaS for a while, you think back 10 years, it was a bit different than it is today, right? You can kind of band-aid product uh, gaps with CS and account management, et cetera. And you can you can still do that to a degree today, but with all of these businesses going product-led and having free, offering free trials and premium experiences and a lot of custom, more importantly, consumer or customer preferences, people want to self-serve. They want, they expect personalized experiences, instant gratification, et cetera. We small, fast-growing startups doing this all the time, but you're also seeing companies like IBM introduce free trials and freemium. And, and they're as they're like the, the idea of an enterprise legacy organization, right? So this is not some fad, but you have all these self-service experiences now and, and less one-to-one people management of customers. So what's driving the majority of the experience today is the product, using the product itself. And so, yeah, the ease of use of a product, the delight of using a product, the ability to get value out of it quickly. Those are, they've always been important concepts, but they are, they've never been more important than they are today. 
Yeah, I think I'd push back on the component that experience always mattered because in my experience, like there's some companies that have done incredibly well and they have an absolute shit experience. And yes, I don't want to name any true. names, but you can look out in the markets and you can see like companies now that are huge organizations that manage to get by without having this amazing experience. But I think it goes to the point yeah. with what you're saying now is that just the competition has increased like unbelievably. So oh, it's yeah. no longer like a, a nice to have. It's an expectation now. Like people aren't going to use your software if you don't have an amazing experience because they can go to another five other vendors and get a, a similar solution and, and yeah. better expectations. So a hundred percent. And those companies that you're referencing without naming, I think a lot of those companies were successful because they were the only option or one of very few options exactly. when they were growing up. Yeah. So. Let's talk a little bit more then about this, the consumer experience. You also mentioned something interesting before the show that you've introduced AdaptQs when it came to the product adoption score and how you're going about looking into that. So can you talk yeah. us a little bit through that? Like, where did the idea start? Why did you decide this was something you wanted to do to begin with? And then how did you go about implementing it? Sure. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen at, at virtually every company I've worked at and I'm sure everybody relates to this to some degree is you think about churn prevention, you think about renewals and a lot of times in the past, you know, I've seen teams focus on, okay, this company is coming up for renewal in three months. Let's start to really dig in. And, and that just doesn't work. It's too late in my opinion. Now it can work, but I think it's not the best approach to, to wait till the end. And so we, we were early on taking that kind of approach at AppQs and through lots of great discussion and analysis, we realized that, hey, we need to be much more strategic and deliberate about the first three to six months. That the, the, the first three to six months is going to correlate with retention much stronger. We can, if we can set these customers up for success early on, we're going to retain more of them. And so what we did was we started to look at the behaviors of customers who had stuck around for a while, right? We've been around since 2013. We've got customers that have been with us for many years, what are the common behaviors of those customers who stick around for X, Y number of months that we were happy with? And what we found was there were specific features of our product that, you know, the usage of those features correlated really well with retention in a way that was so clear that there really wasn't, like we were able to, to be pretty confident there wasn't a lot of bias in it or survivorship bias. We also looked at what percentage of their customer base are they communicating with using AppQs and some other metrics. And we came up, we basically narrowed it down to six different levers or factors into what we now call the product adoption score that we use internally. And based on this score, we're actually able to look at people or customers with over a certain score retain at this percentage versus customers with a, a score that we would consider less than ideal retain at a lower rate. Now we not only have more control early on, uh, we're using this to inform how we onboard customers, both in a self-service way and through our CS team. And we're using it to inform all of our communications, right? So about two thirds of our customer base is self-serve today. Uh, and this is where marketing comes in. When it comes to the one-to-many communications, whether it's in-app with AppQs or sending emails, we are using this product adoption score to, or the levers within the product adoption score to inform the cadence of outreach, the topic, et cetera, when we prompt customers to do, to take certain actions. And now that we have the score in place, like I said, it's, an, it's informing everything we're doing and starting on day one. 
That's very cool. And so you mentioned there's five or six key metrics or key actions users need to take within your app that are indications of the product option score. Did you weight these actions as well then? Are there certain actions that you found to be like, this is the number one thing that we need to do? And then and then if that's yes, did that then informs the onboarding itself and the way you're driving users to take specific actions in the product? Yeah, absolutely. For example, when you first install app keys, which is really the only moment where you need to develop or access to the product code base, uh, you can choose to do a very simple install, or you can install and start passing over events from your backend. Right? Event could be somebody, or for us, an event is when somebody installs or when somebody downloads our Chrome extension. And what we found was that people who are uh, implementing in the beginning and sending these events over end up being more successful long-term. Because when you're sending these over, you can be a lot more targeted, you can be a lot more personalized, et cetera. And so yeah. that's a, it's, it wasn't shocking to learn that, but looking at the data, it was great to confirm our hypothesis and then use that to inform our onboarding experience. So one of the things that we did as a result was when it comes time to install in our trial, we provided the option not only to look at our docs and do it self-serve, but to get on the phone with an uh, implementation specialist. And it doesn't matter uh, what size company you are, we will make the time to get on the phone with you and, and walk you through installation. Because we know that if you do, if you install AppKeys in a high quality way, in a way that you're sending additional events over, whether you're a, a five person startup or a thousand person organization, you're going to be more successful with AppKeys. So it's definitely worth our time and energy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then you mentioned as well around the period you looked at the six month mark, I think it was that you said, and saw what are the activities before. When it comes to that, then like how long is your onboarding experience and flow that you built for yourselves? Do you have a time window where like you consider it onboarding or are you in the stage where you're constantly onboarding users no matter which stage they're on the life cycle? Yeah, you could, I've said before, you can think about onboarding as really never ending. So you've got the initial experience with your product. So just adopting any use case in the first place. But after that, you ideally you want to get the, your new customers to use your product more holistically. So you're then onboarding them to additional features. At some point, you may they may be ready to upgrade and move to a higher plan tier where there are even new features and capabilities. So they'll need to be onboarded to that. If you do a, re, a redesign of your UI, you're going to onboard them to your new UI. So there are always reasons. The reasons for onboarding never go away. Yeah. So yeah, I'll just start there. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting concept though as well, like the continuous onboarding, because this is something typically when people view onboarding, it's okay. This is the period. It's two weeks when they sign up. I'm going to send them a series of emails, like one to show them how feature X works, one to show them how feature Y works. And then the approach taken is typically like, self-serving it's like from the company's perspective what needs to get done as opposed to the the opposite way around of, okay what does the customer need to achieve what are the actions i can do to make sure that they're the most successful in their job and then basing it like you have uh, as well at app is really around actions taken within the yeah. app uh, and then driving and fueling that uh, forward yeah and and i think the key one of the keys for us and i, I believe it is something more companies should do just general advice is be more prescriptive. If you take the burden of, of thinking off of your user and just say, hey, our most successful customers are doing this. We think that you should do this next. That can actually make users feel a lot more 
comfortable because you're being, especially with new product categories, right? Like ours, a lot of these folks, like I said earlier, it's their first time using a product like this. They don't know exactly what to do. So be prescriptive, tell them if they don't want to do it, they don't have to, (laughs) but if you're being prescriptive you can be very helpful and hopefully make a system that works well for your business as well. Yeah. Cool. Next question then. Barring AppQs, because it would just be the cop-out answer. Who, in your experience, has the absolute best onboarding experience you've experienced from a software perspective? Uh, That's a good question, man. I think it's hard to choose one. I would say that, like I said earlier, every business has different needs. And depending on who your audience is, there are different approaches to onboarding will work well. But I've seen a a handful of really great examples. One that I really liked was, I think it was Grammarly. They have this learn by doing approach. They, I don't know how to pitch their product, but they'll help you write better. Okay. If you log into into their product to use it, you need to write something and they're going to give you suggestions. Uh, So what they did, at least the last time I checked it out is they had pre-populated content and they walked you through editing this pre-populated content. So it took the work off of the user. The user did not have to populate it with anything. It was right there for them. And as soon as they logged in, they could start interacting with the product and by interacting with it, learn how to use it. So I really like that learn by doing approach. And then I'll just, one, one more example. I think last time I checked with Twilio and they have a, a number of products, obviously, but they, they actually introduced quite a bit of friction into the beginning. Uh, of their experience. So you might hear that reducing friction is the idea. It's not always the case. I could talk about that for a while too, uh, but what they do is they basically interview new users as soon as they get into the app. Who are you? What's your role? What are you trying to achieve, et cetera? And you go through three or four screens answering their questions. And then based on what they learned in that process, they completely customize the rest of the experience to you. And so I think I, I really loved seeing that because it was contrary to to what most people will say is a best practice, which is removing friction. And from what I understand, it's working or it's worked really well for really me. Well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny that you should say that because actually the company, they just recently acquired segments. We had Eleanor Dorfin on the show and this is the exact concept we talked about was how adding friction can actually increase retention and set your customers up for success. And because I think I love this one as well, like, uh, and I had an interview earlier today, actually, where we talked about a different concept, but where we have these contradictions to the norm and where people believe, okay, this is get through through as fast as possible, get to the aha and the wow moments. And that's what you need to do for onboarding. But sometimes just taking a slower approach can actually help set them up for success. So I think in Segment's case, actually, it was they found that if they just let their customers get on with things and start getting things up, that actually hurt them further down the line because people then end up sending bad events into their system and without a solid tracking plan to start with, it just created a mess for them and they got back to the same situation they came in before they started segment. So they actually force you, I think, and force might be a strong word, but in the beginning really to get a solid tracking plan together. So you get, you set yourself up for success. And then they found that was like a game changer in terms of adoption and in terms of uh, retention, because they had helped the customers. It might not have been the traditional normal, like just go and run with it and get started and do whatever you want. But in terms of the onboarding experience, it was really a game changer from that side. Yeah. There was another really good example. Uh, I went into the company. I was talking to somebody who manages this experience for a business that makes it easy to build websites. And what they found through lots of experimentation was that adding a requiring a credit card to start a trial 
and then asking users to name their website, choose a domain, et cetera, before they started building, ultimately ended up, even though the, the number of people that started using their product decreased, it ended up that more people were publishing websites. And so basically they found that by, by uh, adding this upfront investment, naming your project, yeah. and even though fewer people started building a website, more people ended up publishing a website. And that was what was most important to them. So it's just another great example, I think. That's interesting as well. So like you mentioned a few different examples now and a few different points that are important when it comes to onboarding. So I think one is the concept of ownership, like giving uh, users a way to create control of the environment and put their name and their flag on it is definitely a strong point. I think obviously sometimes being a little bit counterintuitive and uh, putting a bit of friction can actually uh, be good for the the experience. And then the last one I think as well is, I love it, is that uh, using your own product to onboard your users and really learn by doing it along the way. I think if there's ever a case where you can use your tool to explain your tool, you're in a very lucky position. And it's something as well, like previously at Hotjar, we tried to use and do, obviously they do things like polls and surveys. That's something that you can easily pull up during sign-up and say, hey, here's a, a poll. Let, tell us a bit about yourself. So you, one, you get to show the product, two, you get to learn about the user. Like if you can think about smart ways about using your product that can actually serve both of you, I think that's it's a really powerful uh, way to actually get the message across. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, agreed. Cool. I think we're running up on time, so I'm going to save a question ask every guest. There's a little bit of a twist to it now, but it's pretty much the same question every time. Uh, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario. You join a new company, churn retention is not doing good uh, at all. The CEO comes to you and says, hey, Eric, you need to fix this. It's your job. You have 90 days, but you're not going to go and speak to customers and find out the problems and do the typical things that everybody says. And so rightly, you should speak to customers and understand their pain points. But rather, you're going to Pick something from your past experience that was effective and worked to crush churn, and you're going to run with that. What would you pick? Mm. Am I allowed to look at data? <laughs> no, let's yeah. assume. No? No. That's just the, the typical answer we get for this on the show is I will speak to customers, I'll look at data, and then that will inform our decisions. What yeah, I'm asking that's you an easy one. <laughs> is assume that you've had all this and you're going to pick something that you've done in the past that's been effective. Sure. Yeah. What I was going to go with is our product adoption score, because I just feel like it's working so well for us. And I'm so glad we did it. But data and customer interviews aside, something that's worked for me in the past, my last company I was at, we we had a, it was a combination of a CRM, CDP, and marketing automation for e-commerce businesses. And part of the, what really unlocked all the value for, for our product was when you fully installed and got a lot of data flowing into the system. But what you could do very quickly was to send, to set up some transactional emails. So for example, in the e-commerce space, an abandoned cart email. And what we were doing first was trying to, we were focused on getting, getting people to fully install and get a lot of data flowing in. That was really what we were trying to get every new customer to do. We realized how quickly, how much more quickly we could show value by moving right into a triggered email use case. And, and that ended up working so well. Satisfaction in the first month spiked. And so the takeaway is that I think is applicable to every business is look at, look for ways that you can deliver value to your users as quickly as possible. Even if it may not be the long-term value you're trying to offer, if you can get users to see value on day one, day two, in some capacity, I would explore that. I would explore changing the way you're onboarding customers, whether it's with self-service within app experiences or with CSMs and adjusting that to focus on that fastest path to value approach. 
Yeah. As long as it's not impacting your future potential as well. well I think you know, I don't expensive. have access to data, Andrew. Absolutely. So last question then, what's one thing that today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? Man, sorry if it's a cop out, but it's, it was not obvious to me early in my career that the beginning of a customer's experience with your company is far more important than when you're getting close to their renewal date. And by focusing on those early experiences, you are much more likely to improve churn than to try to save a customer who is planning on churn. And all you should do is use app queues. Just use app queues and all your problems go away. I 100% agree with you as well. I think this is definitely one thing as well that on the show learned over the years and had previous experience with is that the biggest impact you have is really those early days is the onboarding adoption activation. And the biggest thing is it's compounding interest as well. Is if you're able oh, to yeah. make improvements from there, it just compounds. Definitely the place to, to focus your attention. Great. Eric, it's been a pleasure hosting you today. Is there any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Like anything they should be aware of your work, keep up to speed with? Depending on when this episode is published, we are launching some big product updates in a couple of weeks, early April. And that is going to like double the value that you're able to get from our products. So I hope this uh, the timing lines up well. But we're going to be very focused on edu- continuing to educate the product, the uh, the market on user onboarding and product adoption. And, and I definitely encourage you to check out all the resources we have available. So I, I think those will be listed on the, the page here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this cool. will be, you would have launched by then with Zippers comes out, but we'll definitely make sure to leave some notes in the show notes for listeners. If you listen to this and you haven't heard what AppCuse is doing, go check it out. The link's on the page and it'd be interesting as well. I'm excited to see what you've coming up with. So thanks so much, that. Eric, for joining the show and uh, wish you best of luck now going forward. Same to you, Andrew. Thanks a lot. Take Cheers. Care. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.